to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Adil Kurji, and my guest this week is Rob O'Connor. Hello again. Uh, and we're on minute 49, so that's 4800 to 4859. Um, and we have got a fun little minute, because uh, our previous minute is when Benoit... Reveals the murder mystery solution, and we are now just in the um, continued explanation. So we start with uh, Benoit. The dummy bolt. Having talked about the crossbow. Um, directly. But Mr. Braun. Now, I believe close inspection will reveal some sort of remote triggering device, but more damn. Uh, and he sort of gestures. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll. Skip some of the dialogue so we can just talk about the the the, the lines uh, as we go. But um, he then go, continues to go. Now I believe uh, upon close inspection, uh, will reveal some sort of remote trigger. Uh, he then points out uh, the make and model of the crossbow. That is a vintage Jayhawk brand crossbow. Jayhawk, Birdie J. Later, uh, that's me editorializing. Uh, uh, but the motive, uh, on a cleverly pla planted 1998 issue of Face magazine... Of course, there are other superfluous and rather clumsy clues. The hedgerow in the South Garden, that spells the letter B. Birdie's room is the sickle chakra, which is the one blocked by guilt. Blah, blah, blah. But the motive, yes. To be clear, I mean, I didn't know what a blood diamond was. <laughs> On the cleverly planted 1998 issue of the Face magazine with uh, Birdie on the cover, she famously wore what became known as the Wren Diamond. And that's a family heirloom, I believe. Oh, to be clear, I mean, I didn't know what a blood diamond was, so... Benoit continues, Mr. Braun. Mr. Braun, uh, the large pendulous locket, which is, uh, has not left your neck. End of minute. Um... I skipped some of the dialogue because I figured we'd go into it uh, as we talked about it. Yes. But that's the minute. What do you think of this one? Really impressive. A lot more. Th th there's so much going on in every single frame that it's... Uh, I feel like this one will be a lot more challenging to, to, to squeeze into the 40, the 45 minutes than maybe the last one, which was, which was kind of neat and more dialogue driven. There's so many interesting visual cues. Uh, there's a lot going on. A lot of nice little acting moments. Um, and again, kind of Miles' reactions to all of Benoit's revelations are just amazing. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've a couple of things I wanted to say about Jayhawk uh, crossbows and then uh, also um, something you pointed out that Birdie said as well. I want to get back to that as well. Um, but yeah, it's just drinking it all in, to be honest. Um, just it, it's like night and day. Like we mentioned last minute, that like as soon as Benoit's giddiness starts and the score picks up, we get the yeah. dynamic shots. And this is such a continuation, but like a, an acceleration of. There's so much going on in the frames as well. Like the frames mm. are busy. You said the t shots are not static. Uh, the people are moving. We're seeing reactions of people instead of focusing on who's talking. It's just like a nice, really acceleration of the like unraveling of miles's like orchestrated this is my moment plan just in yeah. just in this like direction and cinematography and what we focus on it's very clear that we're now back in the movie when before we were kind of in his performative space yeah and the way it's moving so quickly and we're, we're constantly seeing miles reaction it's it it 
it really ramps up the tension really quickly. It starts to feel like a like a coiled spring, whereas I think in the last minute it was kind of shot, 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 shot. It felt a lot more like it it, it was it was done with comedy in mind. Where the, the, this is you kind of spend the whole minute kind of on edge, waiting for Miles to snap nearly because we keep cutting back to him just as. It looks like he's being eaten from inside in some shots. Yeah, it's like um, the like it starts with this like playful frenetic energy of Benoit, but because of those shots back, that frenetic energy becomes like sorry, it, it, this playful energy, and it mm. becomes it feels more frenetic as we see Miles get more and more wound tight by all of the stuff being said. Mm. Um, uh, but also just like. Two seconds in, like we start with that shot on the on the um, glass soldier, right? And then we hear a dummy bolt, and then we see uh, the camera shot is between like th- th- various depths of the room, three basically of these glass statues, and there's a line of sight to the statue with the crossbow, and Benoit is like, uh, it's aimed directly at Mr. Braun, so we know we're in miles's point of view and we can see the weapon and benoit is cheekily obscured by one of the glass statues from our perspective and he leans into the frame to cover the crossbow yeah to show that the line of sight's being broken and like as soon as you realize well the line of sight has to be aimed at miles that's what he's saying so he's like walked into the room Miles can't see him and then he pokes his head is like look i saw i saw it's pointed at you like it's such a terribly dickish way of making your point like the line of sight it's aimed at you because now you can see me because i'm breaking it like if you think about miles in this moment it's like really (laughs) you could have just said the words now you have to like poke your head out like a pantomime how obvious it was (laughs) i just think it's such a such a great beginning of this like unraveling or this winding up depending on the perspective of what's going on with miles in terms of just the sheer production and then he does this like sorry really hand yeah i was just saying he finishes that scene by taking a step back and says uh directly at mr braun and he does the one hand pointing at the like his left hand is pointing at um well i don't remember what hand one of his hands pointing at the crossbow the other is like he's just outstretching his arms so they are making a straight Mm. line and he's just showing look nothing's in the way of these two just so everyone else can see it so it's like poking his head out it's like miles i get it and then for everyone else's benefit like i'm gonna draw this line it's just such a clean way of him showing the thing he learned yeah and it feels very much as it feels very much like not i'm being a dick to you i just i saw it this is the puzzle piece i saw i i really admire just because we've rewatched this a couple of times now i really Mm. admire just from a production standpoint that the the amount of staging you would have had to do to get that shot so daniel craig walks in front of the the glass statue that's or sorry for 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 us it's right in front of us but mm-hmm. he walks behind it and then as you say he pokes his head forward and turns to to miles yeah. um and then he has to position himself directly opposite that and do do the other thing with his hands pointed in both directions and then meanwhile there's a pull focus to illustrate when when he's pointing at the um the glass statue versus when he's pointing at miles so it's all just effortlessly done and i'm sure daniel craig probably had to be so careful with where he was putting his hands and his feet and like when he timed like 
pointing at Miles because that yeah. has to match the, fo- the yeah good call catch on that pull focus I didn't notice it right away so it you know just I'd say they just had to map that out so meticulously you know and it's the kind of thing you just take for granted when you're just watching it all really really quickly and the pacing is so quickly but it's uh, no 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 it's really really well done um, yeah and and then and then we get this lovely shot finally get a, we get this wide shot facing everyone at the table mm. uh, and we see that I think we had it in the previous two minutes ago. Um, but like we see that weird like fresco of some sort of king or warrior host holding a cup up, but now because everyone is watching Benoit, last time we saw it, it was like half backs, half fronts. I think because people were people were paying attention to things happening at the table, so they might have been looking at Miles, so we wouldn't have seen Whiskey and Duke's faces. And now Miles is just in the corner, right? No one cares about that. Everyone's looking all the way at Benoit explaining everything. So we see everyone's faces and it's like such a good juxtaposition the last time we saw this similar angle. And it's just like, no one is not paying attention to him. He is commanding the room in the way that Miles desperately wants to always do as well. It's this like double hit against Miles. Like he's getting undone and the Miles show is over right now, right? That it might be, it might be on pause, but it's definitely not playing right now. And so I think that's where these like he's like his hands are like sort of woodenly on the table like he's tense yeah well like, w- w- one of them is down by his side down. oh yeah one of his hands is down by his he just looks so kind of defeated and small compared uh, so to the... he actually drops it in that shot he goes from the yes. where he plunked down and then he like drops down and kind of rearranges but like his whole back and um shoulders kind of when he pivots to where it's more comfortable with the arm down it's just like, nope, he is like a piece of wood. He has not mm. untensed. It's just like a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, there's, it's just stiffness. Um, it's really great shot. Um, and then again, we go to a dynamic shot of uh, Benoit, who's like casually walking up a stair, putting his hand in his pocket while he's saying, um, well, but well, you know, We'll find this um, close inspection. Will have this like remote trigger device. Like he's just sure. He's like, I don't even have to know. Bluetooth, not Bluetooth, remote IR. It doesn't really matter. Actually, what matters is, um, and I. So, the is the Jayhawk um, crossbow. Here's a thing I hit that occurred to me. Um, only on rewatching these minutes. My, like, secret theory is he saw, he knew what the thing would be hidden. He saw, like, we talked about the magazine cover later in this minute. So he knew his birdie from all the all the clues. But actually, when he would t- started to explain it is when he saw the crossbow and connected it. And that's why he stopped caring about the remote and any angles of the remote. He's like, oh, right, Jayhawk, birdie J. Makes perfect sense. I don't even care what the remote device is. That clue is definitely too like too small, and that's how I interpret the like he he's like problem solving while explaining and like shifts the focus on triangulate between these three people to I don't know. There's a remote. It doesn't matter. It's obviously her. I just read the. I just recognized the crossbow. That's like yeah. my internal reading of the crossbow brand. But I don't know what you think about that. No, and I actually agree completely because initially I assumed. Oh well, you know. Jayhawk brand crossbow it must be this real illustrious prestigious brand that has this great providence that goes back a hundred years or whatever it is and what little I could find about Jayhawk uh, brand crossbows 
is seems to indicate that they were like a mom and pop business that sold these kind of archery kits where you would build a crossbow yourself. And mm. they went they went out of business in like 1984. And I found a forum post from 2014 um, about them. So uh, they were based in Oklahoma. Um, and this guy who used to do a lot of business with them, he said he got a notice from the mom and pop outfit that was Jayhawk that they were going out of business. So oh. it's it, it's not this, you know, legendary... And, and I, I believe there's people have a lot of nostalgia for it. I think it was a, uh, it was a mainstay of kind of mm. woodshop classes or woodwork or whatever you call it in, in American schools and things like that. Oh, that they, right, yeah. they, they'd build these crossbow kits or whatever it is. But they, they, they weren't this kind of prestigious crossbow or like thing that existed illustrious illustrious you know. thing that like would be known so so to your point he literally must have chosen them solely based on on the name you know n- yeah. not that it would be this kind of grand kind of point it was literally just oh well you know jayhawk pretty jay yeah um so i i kind of like that it, it speaks to miles kind of tackiness that he would just everything just kind of clashing with each other and yeah well we, we spoke in the previous minute of it i think you alluded to the fact that the uh the 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 soldier was probably not carrying a period specific weapon and if my yeah. research is anything to indicate he definitely wasn't yeah. uh which is kind of funny yeah i also like the idea that of course it's so like random that like what i like about what we've seen in so far in this movie and the previous movie is like uh Benoit isn't one of those, like, detectives who just has this encyclopedia of all these random facts that sometimes you see, like, Holmes having. Mm. And so I, I, my, why I have the read of, like, he went up and as he was looking, read the brand and was like, oh, I'm connecting dots as I'm explaining. Because uh, it, it speaks to that. Yeah, of course he didn't know what this, like, mom and pop Oklahoma yeah. brand. That's not the kind of detective he is. But as soon as he read the thing, he's like, no, this makes more sense. I don't have to say this crap about, like... It kind of it feels like when he's like close inspection will reveal some sort of remote triggering device, like as if he was about to walk up to her to look for where the device was planted under her chair or something, and realized, nah, I don't need that clue anymore. I've got enough of this one's just a better one. And that's like I like that idea of the, and also that the way Benoit is, he would just seamlessly absorb and shift his mm. like performative explanation without pausing because he's like, nope, because he's he is quick, right? He's just not he's a, he's quick, not encyclopedic, right? Yeah. So what I also like is when he says that's a vintage Jayhawk brand crossbow, we have a shot to Lionel um, just sort of staring, not even in disbelief, right? He's just like like, almost like an eyebrow raise. Like, is this this really happening? It's a real, wait, what? (laughs) Um, Oh, but what I find super interesting, and I want to go back a bit, is Claire... Um, if you look in second 20 in the middle okay. of this, Claire looks kind of concerned. She looks oddly scared. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nice, yeah, I had noticed that almost but, but as though, also, go on. Oh, so also earlier in the scene, we go a dummy bolt aimed at directly at Mr. Braun and, and he does the arms out so that transition we talked a bunch about right and then we cut to now i believe closer expansion and this is when benoit is like standing up but in the shot the sort of last separate sort of head-on shot we see claire stand up almost like Mm. 
and they foleyed the sound of a chair scraping as if she stood up and her legs pushed the chair if she didn't push it back it's got this lovely scraping sound and i didn't notice it when i first watched it but it's um let's see if we can find it it's just a minute yeah second eight to nine well, seven to nine, we see Claire lean forward and then stand up. She's the only one who moves in that shot. And it scrapes. And then in this shot with Lionel, like 10 seconds later, um, she looks so scared. And for the life of me, I don't... like. It, is this just like red herrings? I'd, I think there's a lot of red herrings in this minute and the previous minute. Yeah, um, and so that's the thing. The only thing I can think of is like we're now clearly aiming... Like she's doing something, but yeah, like there's no reason why she should, upon the reveal of Benoit, like unless it's like maybe he'll uncover the stuff that she was being shifty-eyed earlier in the film. Adil yeah. alludes to because he can't actually remember where, where some details were revealed. Um, well, no, we know we know um, the whole discussion about uh, clear like the, the the fuel being used in the house hmm. and these two in this seen Lionel and Claire being really worried about it so maybe maybe it's supposed to it can be read as like if he's picking up on these all these insane minute details he might pick up on some of the stuff we were whispering together and like yeah I'm really she's because she's if you remember our discussion on a previous minute a couple minutes ago right we were talking about how she was like looking down and not mm. really paying attention to a lot she seemed to be in her own head and so maybe this is a continuation of she's emerging from being in her own head because she realizes oh there's like a world-class detective watching us yeah. and i'm super worried about the decisions we've made given that people are at risk so maybe that's the the line that this can be read as yeah i'm now clearly thinking out loud <laughs> i i kind of also read it as you know he's ruining the game that miles has put so much time and effort into and they're all there to play that game and to go along with miles's kind of whim um and Benoit Blanc is just you know pulling the, the pulling the tablecloth out from under him she might be fearful of the wrath of miles after this you know she may have seen oh, yeah. she may have seen him lose his temper about not lo- not getting his way smaller in the past. things probably right yeah so uh, th- that's kind of how i th- you know that she's worried about what's going to happen next right so that, and then in which case that's such a good juxtaposition of Lionel being like incredulous like yeah and her being like taking the next step of, oh, this ain't good, right? Like this is not how Lionel want or Miles wanted it, and that's going to have repercussions. Mm. I like that reading. I just want to um, point out, by the way, I've alluded to this painting a few times, and I'm mm. so sorry if this is like a famous kind of pop art thing. That definitely is Ronald McDonald in those paintings behind him. It, it, oh it, yeah, it, it almost looks like a, like an AI depiction of ronald mcdonald's and i i i feel feel to even suggesting that because i'm sure it isn't but uh it, it's also a, it's a triptych of like um ron mcdonald and kind of scary deformed sort of but not like physically deformed so much as like yeah contortions of the painting deformed yeah um, the, the first one on the left looks like it might be a picasso type painting and then in the middle it almost looks like it's supposed to emulate Heath Ledger's Joker or something maybe and then I can't quite make out what the one on the right is I'm probably butchering uh, whatever I mean, this are. we're, we're looking at a still of a frame of a um, movie I think it'd be fine 
Yeah, I, I, it, it feels like I recognize it, but also like there's just a bunch of things that like I didn't think of the Joker that 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 does seem exactly like the kind of Milesy thing. Yeah, we live in a society. Except him, he lives outside of the society. Yeah. Of <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fascinated. So, like, this is sort of where I like the. We I think we talked about this in the first minute, but like. Yeah, because we talked about how we liked um, Knives Out a little more than Glass Onion. And it's Mm. like the details here are so interesting and clearly well thought out. And and they just feel like more like a, unless you're like crazy people like us who are like, for whatever reason, talking about it at length. And so going through the frames, you will miss it. And, Mm. And like, I feel like in Knives Out, there were just details that of the plot or the dialogue or something that drew your attention to these things a lot more than like to put it bluntly like that's a really there's some interesting things that like if you want to like scour around and be like oh is this a ronald mcdonald triptych based on the dire bacon thing neat yeah. but like there's nothing about the scene that requires us to pay attention to those things except as you said as like the art a rich jerk would buy, including the the one that's very much central at second twenty one of the, what looks like the either he commissioned it or he bought it because it looks like ripped him. Yeah, uh, a lovely shot of Birdie looking pleased when he says J Hawk Birdie J. Interestingly, so what I like about this shot at like second twenty three, which is again just Birdie and Peck, it's from the position the cameras where benoit is so you remember in the last minute where birdie was talking about like oh can we work together and we had that one shot of mm. like and uh and you know keep that close to your chest and birdie has this like slight hand movement to her chest but we see peg to her left uh and like she's looking at peg because she clearly wants peg's help was that last minute when before it doesn't matter previous minute of the week um that was the camera was kind of from the perspective of where Miles was. Okay. We were looking down at them. Yeah. Um, and now we're like tied in cameras now to the right of Birdie, which is where Benoit has like found himself. And so even just the way we've, we've there weren't two of the only characters we've seen in a previous shots the past minute, couple minutes. It's basically just been these like quick static shots of Miles and Benoit and like, and suddenly we're in the same sense of this inertia and this frenetic departure from the Miles show and his performativeness. Mm. Now we're the only people we've kind of held for a bit of a scene. We're not seeing from the same angle. We're seeing it from Benoit's angle because he's running away with things. He's we're yeah. the, like the camera has literally said F you to Miles in the same way that the whole thing is falling apart. We're now over here being like, oh, yeah, what about? Yeah, Birdie, Benoit is talking about you. You're feeling like, oh, yeah. Jayhawk Birdie J, she has a smirk, and she's she's doing the same thing that she was kind of doing to Miles, which is like, can we work on a team? And she, but she was very demure, like, oh, I'm paying attention to you. Oh, I gotta keep it in my chest. I'm in tune with you. And now she's she only looks away from Benoit to smirk at the fact that oh, it's me. But like he's robbing Miles of the like, it's centered on her fact reveal as well. And I just think it's such a great use of the different camera angle to just be like. Benoit is w- winning this point. Or- it's it's interesting as well in terms of um, you know that there's there there's the one eighty degree line rule as well. 
Mm. And so, so the rule, if anyone doesn't know, is that the, when you frame a scene, there's um, a 180 degree axis that you can't cross at any point. And I'm pretty sure this is Ryan Johnson breaking the line a little bit, even though we have had Benoit kind of open up the scene a little bit more in terms of the way he's moved around. So maybe you can say... Yeah, but he has to swap table sides, but this camera does feel like it's like... It feels a bit like it is breaking the line a bit, doesn't it? But like in in an intentional way. Yeah, I think you're right, because if you think of that angle, to be that tight end on birdie, you'd have to be kind of at the end of the table. Mm. And Benoit's walked towards the end of the table, but he's still like... He hasn't like rounded out. Yeah. That makes sense. So I think you might be right that it's like flouting the, the, the angles, but clearly in a way that it's followable. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite expression of, of Ed Norton's, I think, is uh, right now where, you know, now there are some other clumsy superfluous clues. Uh, <laughs> and, and at minute 26, you just see this like half, Edward Norton's shoulders are like halfway up to his ears. He's still that tense wooden and he just like, Oh, great. Now you're going to mock the clues that aren't even in the room. The sacral chakra. Yeah, so Bertie's... Yeah, this is my favorite dumb clue because, of course, it would have been this, right? So Bertie's room is the uh, sacred chakra, which is, of course, uh, the one blocked by guilt, blah, 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 right? But And as we transition to that one, like, the tense, we just, again, as you said at the beginning of the episode, we just cut back to people, but, like, that cut away from uh miles before you even get to the blah 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 it's just like he's like lean forward and he's hunching the tension tension's getting worse is like yeah it's not relaxed i'm opening my chest it's like oh it's so tense i might i'm now closing into my chest and i'm leaning forward it's like is he gonna just step up stand up and like yell that's the feeling it looks like he's being eaten alive is what i've written down here oh Ooh, I like that. From, from the inside, like, it's it's like everything's just kind of contracting in and upon itself, you know? Yeah. The other great reaction is when he goes, the sacred chakra, which is the one blocked by guilt, and before he says blah, 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 we've cut back to Lionel and Claire. Claire's now, like, no longer looks tired. She looks kind of bored. Yeah. Like, sort of her lips are sort of sticking out. But Lionel, having heard the sacred chakra blocked by guilt, just has this, what? Huh? <laughs> like, and it's such a great because he's the scientist center's like that's not a clue is the kind of the thing that I'm sure he's thinking right like why would that how is that uh right because like mm. and I what I really like is like when I thought about it, I'm like I don't know why he's making that face it's like oh wait no is supposed to be something solvable for the game but ideally the clues are things that about what would happen right and so what I like about this is like it feels very dumbly designed because designing a game a clue might be the killer is in the room with the chakra blocked by guilty stuff but like yeah. if you were trying to solve a murder that's just not a fact that matters right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. unless birdie knew she was gonna kill miles and changed rooms to give a heads up to people solving it there is no correlation to that fact and the world and i think that's what is like clearly conveyed by lionel who's sort of being like a surrogate of why the hell would that be a clue i i don't really i just to go back to something you said about claire as well by the way mm. she she kind of looks a little bit disengaged but you can see she's kind of nodding a little bit 
and I, I and this is the bit where he's talking about sacral chakras and I was mm-hmm. kind of like maybe she knows that that sacral chakras are, are blocked by guilt because it's the kind of thing that would be appropriated by like a soccer mom <laughs> yeah you know, in this day and like, age or like Gwyneth Paltrow would write a blog post about it or something you know and she's kind of nodding along she's like oh yeah that's right oh yeah I have live laugh loved my way around live laugh love yeah. sacred chakra <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. That like line up with her change. Like she's like resigned. Like she's sort of taken aback from her like worry to like, oh yeah, that's a clue. Hmm. Meanwhile, Lionel's like, hell is this clue? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but because there's just so much juice in each of these Benoit moves to be like, but the motive on a cleverly placed uh, 1998 issue of Face magazine, and it cuts to a shot from earlier in the film, I think. Yeah, it does. Of- and I completely uh, of, forgot that. Yeah, of just Bertie having seen the 1998 issue of The Face, picking it up and, like, holding this youthful version of her face to mm. her old face and making the same sort of kissy face. I just thought it was, like, such a great callback to, we were giving you clues. Yeah. For, for we, we, filmmakers, were giving you clues for this murder mystery in the same way that Benoit picked up on it, which is, like, such a nice touch absolutely yeah and and you know it it is something that bothers me in certain films not even just uh you know detective mysteries or anything like that but when when they do when something is revealed and the the filmmakers feel the need to put in that kind of flashback shot that does bother me elsewhere but it's done so effectively here because the tension is so high you actually forget that the shot even happened like it, it's almost like subliminal advertising like it happens so quickly and then there's this immediate jarring quote back from Kate Hudson to Daniel Craig that it, it's almost like you, you, you just completely blank it out that it even happened like you even said I, I think the shot happens there you know? yeah because I, I, I assume because it looks like a memory sort of yeah. it looks like a shot but that we might have seen it but it could also have just been in your head you know yeah, yeah like expect the fact that Benoit saw it even if we didn't that would be a perfectly reasonable choice by a director it'd be a bit non-standard mm. but like I don't remember um <laughs> I will freely admit that it's sort of this is this is this minute is like really shows off how, why I really like Ryan Johnson as a director. Yeah. It's just this really effortless planning and also like directing of people, right? Like so many of these moments are acting, acted driven, actor driven. Uh, and you're like, yep, yeah, this works. It works seamlessly. And like, you don't need to have follow it at all uh no. but it would help it would sort of re it reinforces without re- requiring is one way to, to, to put it um yeah uh and and then we cut back and actually benoit's quite close to birdie so i think maybe that that maybe we cut away from benoit and the camera shot of her and peg was there before he got there but if you look like a minute 40 or second 41 ish right he's Right, but right in front of her, and then he goes, "Yeah, she famously what became known as the Ren Diamond," and we again get one of these cuts to. Um, he's now vibrating, right? A yeah, bit. he's just like well, not quite. He's like shaking, slow shaking of like, ah, you just made fun of things. Now you're giving away more. But again, at least even rewatching this, I don't get a sense of how he's going to react. And and I just it feels know he's not happy about it. it. It feels like earlier in the minute he was kind of like, 
he was kind of grimacing in in a sense of oh well you know you got the easy ones and then it gets to the motivation and he got that perfectly right and it's almost like oh god i didn't think he was even going to get that bit you know um, yeah you have to remember that he started talking about this as if um his thought right was this is really really difficult right it's going to take it's designed to be hard it's going to take the weekend right and so again to to call back the the key to winning the not quite iPad um, was uh, who did it, how they did it, and why. And like the how they did it was the crossbow. That seems uh, the remote detonator throwaway line again when you think about it in terms of this is what you need to know. Him not even bothering, he's just like, oh, on close inspection, we'll find it. Like I don't even care. That's how it was done. Clearly, is again a nice little. Uh, a bit of a flip of the bird to the painstakingness of, of the challenge being like one of your key questions I just know we'll find so let's not bother looking it's just such a you're ruining my stuff and you're not even giving it like it's due kind yeah. of feeling I just oh it's real choice um, but yeah he's seething he who and now it's like the motive, motive is like so clear and it's like well but it's it's supposed to be hard to figure out. Why could you figure it out? You just saw a magazine. Yeah. Right? And then um, we have Birdie's line, and then we end the minute with uh, Mr. Braun, the large pe- uh, pendulous locket, which has not left your neck. And in the why I bring it up is because in the second where he's seething at 44, we actually mm. get a nice clean shot of he's got this necklace on and, uh, and its shape. Uh. So even though we haven't seen the next minute, it's... Kind of get a really strong idea of this connection between yeah. this close shot on him really being annoyed by hearing Ren Diamond. We see the necklace, and then Benoit brings it up. It's like, okay, like that's pretty clear to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really, really great. Again, this like our series of minutes, like, are so clearly the Miles and Benoit show, and Benoit switching from kind of bumbling ipad boy to just ruiner of times from miles's <laughs> perspective right and he is goes from bumbling to like excited but still bumbling kind of feeling like because the bumbling now list is now is like you don't get how annoying you are being yeah we, we still uh, get the impression that he doesn't know how to read the room the key trait is being displayed very differently but still convincingly yeah did you notice just going back to birdie's line delivery there um to be clear in my defense i didn't know what a blood diamond was and she's doing the the air quotes yeah Yeah. but it's like that episode of friends where joey doesn't know how those air quotes actually work because she keeps going the entire time she's talking so yeah you know she should she should just do them when she says the word blood diamond blood diamond yeah but instead she says it the whole time so she just doesn't know like didn't know yeah. what a blood diamond yeah, was. Yeah, it's funny because at first she's just like, to be clear, and she just raises her hands to be clear. And then I didn't know she she has like starts the quotes and then she raises it as to be like, oh yeah, what a, what a blood diamond was. What, was. Um, but again, it's blood diamond was in like, so even if you were like, she's just starting to gesture early, yeah. she still keeps it up past that. And it's just like, yep, you know, know how this works just a lovely uh, little extra layer of you're just uh, not getting this 
Yeah, and then, and again, given the the claim on the table, I didn't know what a blood diamond was. It's like holy, yeah, you don't even know how scare quotes work. I actually believe you, right? Like, she's just like, it's clearly like her being like, so the red diamond's a blood diamond, and I got in trouble about it, and I just want everyone to know, at the time of 1998, I didn't know. Please stop. I just don't want to be yelled at about the blood diamond thing. Yeah, it's a ni- it's a really nice touch to again. Uh, it's just such good character development because of course she'd interrupt and be like, "I didn't know," but like interrupt with a thing that just doesn't make it better for her. Uh, Mister Braun, that large pendulous locket which has not left your your neck. In the middle of that um, speech, he's like sort of leaned down and like pointing, and then we cut to. A different angle on Claire and Lionel. Now Claire's in the foreground, and she, like, it's so well done. She's clearly looking at Benoit, so away from the camera, and then she does a quick to look mm. with a surprised expression, and like, and does an up and down. So she looks at Miles, and then when she hears around your neck, like, does an up and down with her eyes. It's such great, nice, tight acting. Of she was like distracted for most of the previous minutes. And then once things got explained, she like stood up and like was a little worried about what was going on. And now she's like in, she's, she's Benoit's audience. She's now like into this discovery to the point of, wait, what, what is he saying? I got to catch this. Uh, And I think it's such a, again, a nice, Claire was in her own bubble. And once it popped, she was just like, I really want to know what Benoit is saying. What's going on? And like in the middle of that was like this weird sense of worry. I'm still unsure what that was supposed to be, but that transition of, Again, a few minutes ago, she was like looking down while mm. the story was being told of what the murder mystery was. She just could not care less. She seemed really inner inward. It seemed to be about the the reveal of the we're all in this thing that could blow up and kill people. It's really dangerous. And then once she got pulled out of it, she's like in it. She's like, oh wait, where's the what? What's this about the locket? That locket? I don't know. It just and it's all these really small, tight shots of her having almost no time. Right? Like yeah. I like the way she she leans away, even though she's looking at Miles, who's sitting next to her. She leans away from him. I don't know, is that to convey that she's a little bit short-sighted or long-sighted, or is it that she's still a little bit apprehensive of what's about to happen? interesting. I read it as she was, like, leaning back to see all the things Benoit was saying. Yeah. The crossbow over there, etc. And then when it was, like, oh, the necklace, she had to... she pivoted Rotate. her whole body. Yeah. And so she rotated to stare. So if you think about like looking at the room and then rotating, you would kind of still mm. lean after that. That's, but yeah, I mean, at the very least, she's not leaning into She's, it's definitely conveying a, she might have changed her attention to Miles, but it's not because she's interested in what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any last thing you wanted to? No, I, I, I had a note that I was going to research crossbow murders, but um, I, I, I never did that. So I have nothing else to say on that, unfortunately. Oh, and then, sorry. Yeah, there was a couple of like very recent murders that were done with crossbows. And was I was like, going to say, well, I, I ma- think ma- I've maybe, stumbled upon them. Yeah. I assumed that no one had this... been killed with a crossbow in a long time, but obviously that's not the case. So Yeah, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole after this recording, <laughs> recording and not during it. That's that's. That's what a good host does, he says, looking at... Well, yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say about this fascinating minute. Um, somehow, it's already Thursday. Uh, so thanks again, Rob. Uh, do you have any plugs uh, you want to share with them audience that who are am listenings? 
who are I'm listening. Um, yes, I host a Superman podcast called the All Star Superfan uh, Podcast. We're on all the socials: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, All Star Super Pod on Twitter and All Star Superfan everywhere else. Great, and you can find us here at Glass Onion Men, all one word. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe on your podcaster podcatcher of choice. Um, recommend it to a friend. Just straightforwardly. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you tomorrow, Rob. See you then. Bye.